We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. All right. Well, welcome everybody to Two Cents on Two Things, a limited podcast series from LPM Podcast. I'm Kevin McMenamin, your host, uh, Chief Operating Officer for LP Magazine and LPM Media Group. And with us today is Paul Jekyll. He's the Vice President of Asset Protection for Meyer Inc. Our podcast series today is uh, sponsored by Prime Communications, Prime Secured. Uh, Prime Secured is proud to sponsor these uh, these inaugural podcasts from LPM in this series. Um, Prime's uh, experienced a great deal of success in the retail sector, uh, helping to secure a retailer's uh, uh, assets and employees and customers. Um, and they they're been uh, fantastic to step up and to give back, not only in the forms of sponsoring the podcast so we can hear from some of the uh, industry leaders, but also in the charitable donations that, uh, that this podcast contributes to. So we'll talk a little bit about more of that a little later. But uh, to start out, let's, uh, let's get to it with Paul Jacob. Paul, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing really good, Kevin. It's good to see you. Excellent. Good to see you as well. Always good to see you. And I see you you sporting the, the uh, is that the COVID beard or the... Yeah. So you learned a couple of things in the middle of COVID. One, your razor stops working and you test the limits on how long your spouse is going to tolerate the, 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 uh, the razor not working. So uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of an experiment happening here too. Yeah. Well, it looks good. You're wearing no, it well. You're wearing it well. You're doing, you're doing good. It doesn't work not, for everybody. So Yeah, not too much gray. Not too much no. gray. Yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you combed that out or if it just worked out that way. No, it just seems to work out that way, surprisingly. I tried it for a little bit and it was it was all gray. So, yeah, that that had to go. That just means you're distinguished. That, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I keep being told, but we, we know what it really means. So, <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So, let's get to it. Let's um Let's go to the board. So uh, we've done a few of these and you know how this works. We have a, a board with three different columns. We've got personal, professional and political topics to choose from. Um, I'm excited about uh, talking to you today because uh, to be honest, we haven't had a lot of people with the um, with the chutzpah to go after some of the political stuff. And I know we're going to do at least one of those today. So uh, what's your first topic, Paul, to give us your two cents on? Well, in the spirit of uh, the late Alex Trebek, uh, let's do... To mask or not to mask, Kevin? There we go. All right. To mask or not to mask. So let's, uh, you're in the middle of this, right? I mean, obviously, um, the retail stores, probably the retail stores, the airports, right, are the two biggest issues that we have right now with this whole topic. And, um, and, then, and then it's like to mask or to chin guard, right? <laughs> is yeah. it, you know, is it, and then people getting upset because the mask doesn't cover their nose and, you know, everything else. So um, love to hear your perspective on, you know, is this uh, is it my right to not wear a mask? Is it my duty to wear a mask? And and what your what your thoughts are on uh, whether we should be masking or not? Yeah, I think it's a good question, and um, you know, I'll, I'll share maybe a little bit of our experience too. Um, you know, so for Meyer, we've got 251 stores. We operate predominantly in the Midwest, Upper Midwest, uh, and you know. I would say this, probably the thing that we learned early on through this whole thing is never say never. Um, you know, we made some decisions really early on through this to say, ah, we're probably not going to go down that path. And, and, you know, 24 hours later, we do an about face because it's, it's the right thing to do. 
What's interesting about this is um, I'll, I'll give you an example. We, you know, last year made a decision corporately that we were going to make an adjustment related to our open carry stance for weapons inside of the store. And as you can imagine, that was a highly charged topic that garnered oh, a lot of social uh, interaction and dispute. When we made the decision corporately that we were going to put a mask policy in place as a requirement to enter our stores, that topic generated almost three to one the amount of conversations than what the open carry stance did. So wow. I say that only to, to, to kind of give it in perspective that it, it, it is a more charged topic than a Second Amendment right uh, for a lot of people. Wow. Um, you know, I, I guess I look at it this way, you know, as a, as a business, as an individual that is responsible for a crisis management protocol, you know, our objective is to be able to keep people safe. Uh, it's not necessarily the objective to evaluate the scientific evidence of the efficiency or effectiveness of the mask. Um, but if, if, if it feels like it's the right thing to do, if there's a government order that says that it's required to do it, if we feel that it's, it is beneficial for our team members to keep them as safe as possible, then we want to lean in on that. And so we made the decision to do it. Now, it hasn't come without controversy. Um, and, you know, in, I think this is where having an understanding of what your personal belief is versus what your professional responsibility has got to, you know, have a clear understanding of, of what hat you're choosing to wear. Um, you know, I think, you know, when I think about this whole, this whole particular debate, you know, the, the narrative related to the mask is it's more about the other guy as opposed to it's about you, but it requires you to protect the other guy. And, you know, that's really the narrative that I would, I would stick to on this is, you know, whether you feel that it's keeping you safe or not is not really the debate. It's how do I keep somebody else as safe as possible? Because I don't know the priorities for them. I don't know what their vulnerable status is. I don't know where their, their sense of concern is. And, you know, for us in a grocery pharmacy gas environment of which we're selling all of those particular things, and I'm not afforded that opportunity to, you know, send our team members home or be in a circumstance where, you know, we, we choose not to be able to provide a service to the customer for them to be able to keep up with their livelihoods. And so, you know, we want to lean in on that. Uh, we, we leaned in, we, uh, are enforcing it, but it doesn't come without conflict. I think the biggest challenge, candidly, Kevin, is um, probably twofold. One, recalibrating um, people about our responsibility is to enforce, not to debate effectiveness, um, as I mentioned. But, but I think secondly is it, it's a really difficult job to try to convince a, a retail team member to say, oh, this is just one more thing that we want you to, to really lean in on to make sure that you're enforcing. And, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, with kind of the culmination of what's happened in, you know, a law enforcement standpoint, it's a difficult spot for law enforcement to be, right? We've got several, as, as my efficiency of the office goes out, um, you know, our our, our law enforcement agencies are tasked with doing a lot of things in, in society today as well. And so, you know, I think about their overall ability to respond on this. That's not a high desire, right? They're, they're not wanting to be there. And so we've had to spend a lot of time with our law enforcement agencies to say, listen, we, we're not asking you to become police. We're asking you to help us keep, keep ourselves safe. You know, we'll do first effort. We'll enforce. We'll, 
we'll uh, you know deploy our policy. But if we're calling you, it's because the situation's gotten itself out of control, and that's happened a handful of times. And so, I think having these realistic expectations of what is, what isn't, how should, um, all of those things are are appropriate. You know, we tried to stay a little bit away from you know, does it have to be an N95, a KN95? Uh, is a gator effective? Is a face shield more effective? Look, all of that stuff is for somebody way smarter than you and me to figure out what's the effective piece of cloth that should be there or not. Um, you know, if it's if it's an added advantage for us to keep somebody safe, then that that's what I'm keeping myself calibrated to, and that's how I'm living my life personally on it too. Are you wearing a variety of different kinds? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the new age uh, fashion show, right? So, you know, I guess maybe you go from the ascot to the pocket square to the lapel pin to now what's the appropriate fashion attire of a mask. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got my fair collection of things that I'm supporting or initiatives that are important to me that, you know, gives me a little bit of marketability about who I am as an individual or a sports team that I support. Um, you know, or the branding of the company if I'm touring stores for the day. So yeah, it, it, it it's all about the the uh, the attitude that I have when I wake up in the morning as to to what what mask do I want to pick out that coordinates with my outfit I'm wearing today. Kevin. There you go, there you go. It's it's become a fashion statement. It's it's uh, pretty funny. I want to clarify one thing because you you said a second ago about your high efficiency whatever. And if anyone's listening to this, they may not have understood what this meant. If they're not watching it as a webcast and they're listening to it as a podcast, Paul's in a, a high efficiency office, and if he doesn't move enough, the lights shut out. So it's not them trying to silence him. <laughs> <laughs> it's and and him flaring his arms around is not because he needs help <laughs> if you are watching it it's because the lights are shutting off so yeah, just to clarify. So, yeah so, i think that's a that's a good caution too yeah. i i did tell kevin that i i thought it would be appropriate if i did jumping jacks while i did this <laughs> session and, and that was advised yeah, and then you're just showing off you know yeah, yeah. yeah. well then we could we could probably figure out how to do aeds or you know cpr <laughs> on paul to keep him uh alert and alive <laughs> through a podcast <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, so um, you're having, um, you have to have your fair issues of this in the store, right? As far as pushback goes, what's the, you know, what, what's the climate like and what's the, I mean, it seems for me being in the stores that for the most part, um, people are, are complying. Um, there is not too much of an issue. Um, I was in a store last night where a guy ran in, it was a convenience store and a guy ran in to grab like a, a six pack and they yelled at him right when he came to the door because he had a mask on. Say, hey, you got to get a mask on, you know. And he's like, but I just, and they were like, got to get a mask on. And he, and he complied. He went and, you know, and he did it. Um, and then, you know, and I've been in a store recently where I'm standing in line waiting to do a return. And this woman walks up. I'm masked. She's not. And I said, she said, you know, how's your day going? And I said, good. And, and her first comment was, and I thought, oh, here it comes. She said, uh, well, I bet you'll be doing better when you get home. You can get that mask off, you know. So, you know, th there is that that conflict, right? There's a lot of that out there. And we had enough trouble dealing with addressing disruptive behavior before COVID, right? right. So, so what's some of the, I don't know, tips, tricks, you know, what, what are some of the things that you found that worked about yeah, so, selling this? You know? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, right? And, and you know, your topic of the de-escalation uh, mentality is, it's exactly right. You know, for us, you know, we're a big box super center. Um, and so I'll have maybe 300 employees and team members that are working in the building. Um, and, you know, I'll may have another 300 customers that are coming in into the building, you know, once an hour. And so the volume in our stores is, it, it's significant. 
You know, I've been fortunate enough that we have greeters at every individual one of our stores. We've gone through a training mechanism with them. Um, and, you know, some of our states, uh, I think that's probably been maybe one of the bigger challenges here is that you have inconsistency from state to state in terms of what is allowable, what's not allowable, or is it a requirement beyond just a policy of a, of a business? Um, we chose to go all in all states, regardless of any executive order. Um, and so we're, we're deploying that in some states that up until just within the last couple of days have even done any language associated with some sort of a mask requirement or recommendation or something of that nature. I can tell you in those particular states that don't have governmental cover are our states that we have more interactions that are required for our, our team members to engage with, right? Mm. Whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, people seem to want to comply with the law because they don't want to be in violation. Right. They may not necessarily always be aware of a business's policy until they're approached about it. Right. What I, what I can say is, you know, our objective is we're going to approach every individual customer when they come in. Um, we've made masks available for free that if a customer doesn't have it, um, we're going to offer that to them. That has been a really significant advantage for us to, to go into it because it immediately begins to diffuse the situation, right? right. right. You know, uh, you're no longer pointing a customer into a, a corner to say, sorry, if you don't have one, you can't enter. Right. You, know, you can enter and I'm going to help you figure out a way to be able to do it safely. Here you go. Oh, that's great. Uh, and so that's helped us. And then in our, in our locations that we've had um, maybe more, I don't want to say conflict, but more challenges with customers that, you know, are really just wanting to push the envelope we put, you know, leadership up at the front of the store as well, uh, just to be able to, to provide a sense of um, support for our team members that are, you know, dealing with it every individual day. Uh, you know, it's not their policy. It's our, it's our company policy. And, and we've asked them to, to kind of be the, the voice of it in the face of the customer. And so we don't, we definitely don't want somebody getting themselves into a more volatile situation. And so that has aided us really well. We've also taken the understanding that, you know, we get it. There are going to be some medical conditions that a customer might have that they can't medically tolerate to be able to have the mask. Yeah. We can't assume that, right? We can't assume that because they don't have a mask that that's the situation. And so, um, you know, we are approaching every individual customer and we're working through those circumstances. Um, you know, I can tell you about, I don't know, it's probably right now, I would say we're probably 99.5% uh, with all of our customers are now starting to come into buildings with a mask, um, which is a lot different than what it was very early on, eight months ago when we started to go down this particular path. Uh, and for those small percent that we've got to interact with, you know, probably about 40%, you know, are, are kind of in a situation where there's either a hard refusal or there's some sort of medical condition. But, you know, we're, we're converting 60% of those that we are interacting with to educate about our policy, provide them a solution and, and find alternate ways for them to either shop uh, or, you know, shop safely physically within the store. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine line, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, you want to, you want to support customer service. You, you certainly don't want to turn people away or turn them down the street or turn them somewhere else, you know? Um, but. You, you know, what's, what's interesting about it, Kevin, and you talked a little bit about it, right? I mean, you've got customers that are wanting to police it as well. Right. So they have a, they have an expectation. And, and this is where that piece of, you know, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for the guy next to you or for the yep. girl next to you? 
um, that's how I think how customers are looking at it as well. And, and um, you know, we see ourselves in that particular space, right? How do we, you know, keep an environment that's allowing people to do things safely, whether it be that you're there realistically just trying to get your groceries or, you know, if, if this is your place of employment, we want to be able to, to say that we've done everything we can to keep our people safe. Yeah. Well, it certainly sounds like you guys are, are have taken the right approach, and that you're you're being flexible, which obviously is an absolute necessity, you know, in uh, in today's environment. So, uh, kudos to you, and I'm I don't envy uh, being in your shoes from that perspective because I, I know every day has to be a different challenge and a different headache, and you know, uh, even the people who say, "Well, I'm wearing a mask," well, but are you wearing it? Because it's down here, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, it's interesting, you know, I mean, if you were to, to sit back and, and pull retailers as an example to say, hey, you know, let's pull out your crisis management playbook. Um, you know, how many of you have one to deal with the pandemic? You know, you'd probably find 85 to 90% would have something specific to a pandemic. If you were to pull them today to say, hey, was that that playbook that you had for a pandemic? Was it one effective? And did it did it cover occupancy limits? Did it cover masks? Right. Yeah. I, I, I will bet you, you won't find a single one that has not made alterations to their plans based off of what has come into reality on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can throw that playbook out the window and, uh, and that's all been rewritten in the past nine months, right? Yeah. In pencil too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In pencil. Cause you don't know when that's going to change. Right. All right. Good. Good. Well, thanks for your two cents on that. Let's go to, uh, let's go back to the board again. And, um, Let's, uh, let's take a look at why that's not, there we go. All right. So we're going to go second topic here. Are we going to go, are we going for broke here and going all, all uh, political today? Or are we going to do something easy? No, let's, let's stay to the right. Let's, let's go with uh, riot versus rebellion. I mean, these right. are real issues that, that retailers are dealing with every day, right? So let's talk about the reality of the world today. Beautiful. All right. Well, this is an interesting um, topic, and, and, and we had uh, the, I, I think you um, got to see the, the LPM annual meeting this year. We had um, Shavara Oren on, and Shavara talked about uh, diversity and inclusion and, and so forth. And, and actually, I got to, to talk to uh, David Londa Dix about this on one of the podcasts um, recently, too. Um, but she had actually, <clears throat> I don't know if she covered it in her session or if we just had a, a, a general conversation about um, uh, about terminology as well as perception, right? Um, is it rebellion? Is it riots? Is it, and is, is using the words riots, the right terminology in some cases versus calling it a rebellion. And, um, there's a lot of back and forth on that. So interesting to hear what your two cents are on. Yeah. I, well, yeah, that was a really phenomenal presentation that she had done. And, uh, candidly just a, of, um, I'd say a rich conversation. Um, you know, this is, I, I would, I would say this, you know, for us, Memorial Day weekend up until current is probably flipped that playbook on its head as well, right. Of trying to manage it. Yeah. And for all the right reasons, um, I think, you know, I'll start maybe a little bit on this, you know, oftentimes, um, when you're, when you're dealing with these, these types of situations, there's two schools of thought of how you choose to approach it. The first is, do I want to really understand why this is all happening? Or are you going to approach it to say, because all of this is happening, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and so, you know, we kind of took a little bit different approach. Um, 
you know, we, I think a lot of, a lot of businesses initially said, holy smokes, this is coming towards us. We've got to, we got to figure it out. And we saw that a little bit too. You know, I think from Memorial Day until current for our six states, we had 2,300 different events that happened in our community. Wow. Now on the surface, it's all like, holy smokes, that's a really scary environment to be in. The reality is that that doesn't necessarily mean risk. And if you chose to take it on the surface to say 2,300 events that you guys had to manage through, holy cow, like, where are you guys at? Um, you know, there was really only about 100 that I think concerned us. I think the part that makes it maybe most important and, you know, you used, um, you used a sentence there that kind of said, well, what, which is it? Terminology matters. Words matter having an understanding of why things are happening also helped define what it really is. You know, we were in a circumstance, I'll use Grand Rapids, uh, which is where our corporate headquarters is. Um, you know, Grand Rapids had a lot of activity uh, on that initial weekend. And we weren't an epicenter for where any of the initiatives or incidents that really kind of were the final straw that, that got us to this, po this point to, to really exist. And that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where the where the situation originated from. It's a broader situation. And so that's how we kind of sat back and looked at it, Kevin. Yeah. Is to say, look, it it's not just in Minneapolis. This is not a Minneapolis issue. There's something fundamentally wrong here that's causing this to happen. Now, um, you know, we looked at it to say, okay, let's understand the difference between what is a protest? What is a rally? What is a riot? What is a rebellion? And we've kind of defined out all of those things. And being able to have connections within a community become really, really important. Um, and what is the cause of it? Why is this happening? What is the genesis of this particular event? Really helps you as one, an AP or LP professional to understand, okay, well, what's the What's the connection to me or what could be the connection to me? What does this mean in terms of my ability of being able to manage risk for our assets, whether it be our customers, whether it be our team members, the physical property altogether? That's one side of it. The second side of it is to say, how do we as leaders understand why is this happening and what can we do better to contribute to not allow this to continue to really be the situation that got us here in the first place? You know, we, we had to take a hard look, you know, as and I would I venture to say most loss prevention departments are set up very similar. We have a high reliance on law enforcement for us to be effective in our ability to work investigations or provide adequate security or to be able to resolve certain situations that elevate themselves to a high degree of risk. Unfortunately, a lot of this played out with law enforcement as the centerpiece of that. Right. And so, you know, we had to really sit back and say, okay, well, how is this going to work? What does this ultimately mean? And we, we spent a lot of time with law enforcement to explain, like, this is our program. This is how we're going to do this. This is where we need you. This is what we expect out of you as an agency and as a, as a, as a partner to us to help keep people safe. Um, and then also do the same thing with our customers, right? There's an expectation that a customer is dealing with this in the moment. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. You have you have to be really mindful. You know, you want to be able to, to be able to provide maximum security. But this is one of those times where going too far over the line can actually work against you, right? right. If we took everything as, as face value out of fear of that this particular event is going to turn into something violent, 
that would work against us in communities where we started boarding up stores or something of that nature, where the community would revolt against us for doing that too, right? For being <clears throat> I was going to ask you that. Did you, did you find that, um, that going through some of those preparations, you know, boarding up the stores and so forth, was that even more of an invitation to want them to, you know, well, I, did that make anybody angry? Did it, you know? Well, I would say this, you know, for us, we didn't run into that. But I, I would tell you, we didn't run into it because we were really mindful that we wanted to spend time with the community to understand why. Had we gone at this in a vacuum to just say, okay, there's an event that is happening three blocks from our particular store. We need to go ahead and board up. You know, we, we can't be in this particular space. And without understanding the context of it or why or whom or what groups or what, you know, what kind of plan and organization is happening for that particular event in and of itself. And yeah, it, it, I assure you it would have backfired on us in some of those circumstances. And so we were really mindful. There were, there were some days where I was thinking, man, should we, or shouldn't we, do we need to do this? I don't, I, I think that this is, this is going a little bit too far. And we consulted, we, we spent time with community leaders to say, like, help us understand context, help us understand, like, what is the real issue? Like, what can we do? Um, and we'd had, you know, we ended up finding that, Again, efficiency, Kevin. Yep, uh, happened again. Well. Uh, <laughs> but we, you know, we would find that you know our parking lots were the gathering points of some of this stuff, um, and that's okay, right? I mean, uh, trying to understand how do we help support our community—that that was an important aspect of this. And and so you know we you know it's 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 managing a fine line of what's your responsibility to keep people safe, but what's your responsibility of being able to make sure that you understand who your customer is, who your community is, and what is the need. Did you find the the, the community outreach and the, the that communication, did you find that changed the dialogue? Um, you know, you talk about the words used and things like that. Did you did you find that changing from from riot to protest or from, you know, from rally, rally to riot to, or, or, you know, and use different words? Yeah, uh, we did. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, we have stores in Detroit. Detroit back in the 60s was really problematic with a lot of civil rights activity. And so um, what, when we opened up those particular stores, you know, several years ago, part of what allowed us to really understand what was going to be required for us to be successful there was really understanding what was the need of the community. And we built some really strong relationships with religious officials with community leaders that, you know, have organizations within the, within the city and being able to understand to say, help, just help me understand, like, who is organizing this? Like, what is it? Is this, you know, are you guys doing a march? Is this going to be that you guys, you know, are, are, are trying to gain attention of political figures? Like what, what is, what is the outcome? Those types of conversations helped us understand, oh, okay. That, that is more of this. This is a rally, right? This is a community event. This is got, you know, they're anticipating that they have actors that are coming in that they're not aspiring to have there, but they're aware of it. But, okay, we need to be concerned about that as well, right? That means that there's maybe potential control opportunities that exist with that. And so being able to understand that and understand, you know, what is the intent what is the intended outcome? Helped us understand what level of preparation we needed to do to be able to protect things. Um, but it also helped us understand, you know, our team members are part of those communities. And so it gave us the ability to also understand how it's affecting our team directly as well, right? Beyond 
just the responsibilities of working for Meyer, um, you know, what's happening in their personal lives. And so that helped us a lot on a lot of different fronts beyond just kind of the, this idea of loss prevention, asset protection, but also kind of understanding how do we, how do we really help our team members manage through this individually in their lives? And so it was pretty, it was pretty powerful and it continues to be powerful, right? I mean, the, there's no finish line. On this. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not, I mean, we haven't seen this level obviously of, of protest, I think obviously, you know, 2020, well, 2020 has been a, a year in and of itself. Right. So, um, but we haven't seen this, this much, but we're not done. Like you said, I mean, we're, we're not, I, I'd like to hope that we're not just getting started, but you know, clearly we've, we've introduced this um, or we've reintroduced or we've kind of engaged in this, this path that people have been, have been finding, you know, when certain events happen, this is starting to, um, to be a, a, a form of communication and a form of, of um, way to, to make their voice heard. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're not done, yeah. you know, so, but, so it sounds like maybe from, from your perspective then to in dealing with this, because we're all going to be dealing with it more in the future. I'm, I'm quite sure um, the, the, this community involvement angle, um, and making sure that we're, you know, we're, we're getting involved with this process as they're being organized, as they're setting up. Um, and then some of that might even be short notice, because obviously we know one event happens and all of a sudden things are, are going off. Um, but well, that's the thing, right? connected between the community and the law enforcement, it sounds like that's a, the right angle to take. Yeah, I think, that, I think that that's a fair assessment, right? I mean, most of this stuff is set up organically, right? I mean, it's not like we're talking about uh, you know, like a Thanksgiving Day parade that it's going to happen on the same day every year on these particular streets. That that that's not that's different, right? Right. I mean, these things are happening because of a movement, because of something needs to change, because um, there's a need to be able to to facilitate something like that. And so, you know, the the I mean, that's just the world that we live in today, right? Uh, you, yep. you you can't you're not going to learn about this through traditional means and you're not going to be able to assess it by reading something out of a book. It just doesn't work that way. You have right. to understand the context and you have to be able to, to be willing to, to seek things out to understand. And, you know, candidly, you know, that's probably a little bit of as a society, what we need to do, right? Like we've got to do it, continue to do a better job of seek to understand um, so that we, we really understand what we're doing to try to help solve it. We all, we all contribute a part there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, let's go, uh, let's go back to the board. Um, we're going to move off of that. So again, thank you for, uh, for your, uh, your two cents on that. And we're going to go into the next piece, which is talking a little bit about your favorite charity. Um, you chose the silent observer of, uh, silent observer of Kent County, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, Silent Observer, many people probably know about Crime Stoppers. Uh, Silent Observer is uh, an offshoot of that, that, that has existed here in Kent County. Um, you know, in all transparency, I happen to be a board member on that particular uh, group here. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an important part today, right? I mean, you, you think about um, what happens in our community, and, and oftentimes there's a fear of being able to, to to resolve a circumstance where you might have knowledge of it. What Silent Observer does is it, it really provides credence to having a voice for somebody that, um, one, they're afraid to share it, uh, but to uh, help us understand how do we better the issues that are happening in our communities. And so, 
Um, you know, I've been affiliated with them now for the last, uh, I guess, four years since I've made the trek into uh, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, just couldn't be more excited and proud about the efforts that, uh, that this group is doing in its community. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, let me tell everybody how to, uh, how to find them to help support them. So it's silentobserver.org uh, online, or you can text SILENT20, uh, S-I-L-E-N-T-2-0, to text that to 44-321. Um, and you can make a donation right from your, uh, your mobile device. Um, Paul, we are going to be making a donation in the amount of $500 um, to support Silent Observer on, on uh, your behalf, on our behalf, and on behalf of Prime Communications and Prime Secured, who's our sponsor for today. Um, we want to thank you for your efforts in here. And we want to thank you for sharing your charity and getting the word out. Um, so that, uh, hopefully, you know, folks in the industry and, and especially in this industry, this is one I think that would, you know, between this one and, uh, things like missing children and so forth. Um, you know, I, I know, uh, th- these tend to hit home because we're, we're trying to solve, you know, crimes and things like that. So, um, hopefully this is a, a benefit to you and a benefit to uh, silent observer. And, uh, hopefully folks that are listening will, uh, will take a minute to, you know, every little, every little bit counts. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you on behalf of, uh, uh, silent observer for, for doing that. That, uh, that means a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Two quick things before we go. Uh, and you and I talked about this in advance a little bit and um, uh, you get to pick one and I get to pick one. And unfortunately you picked the one that I would have asked you. So, <laughs> so, uh, so go ahead. We'll go with yours first. All right. So um, yeah, I, I guess I picked, if you had to get a tattoo right now, what would it be now in full transparency, Kevin, this would not be a first tattoo for me. Yeah, uh, I've got a few of them on my body already, but I think right now what I would probably do uh, is I would probably actually get, end up getting a barcode on me uh, after working in retail for you know almost 25 years. I feel like that's fitting, but it would also save me a lot of time as opposed to having to like write a resume, update a bio that I could just have somebody scan my barcode <laughs> and it would say, oh, here's what you need to know about Paul. So that, that would be my, my tattoo that I would get. All right. So now you held up your hand when you said that, like you would do it on your wrist. So is that where you would put it? You wouldn't put it like on the back of your neck or something? I don't know. Maybe it'd be in the back of my neck. I just feel like, you know, the, you, you had the movie with Tom Cruise from several years ago, you know, with uh, um, Incident Report or whatever that was called. Minority um, Report. Yeah. Minority Report. Uh, it feels like that's, that's kind of like the new age of the next decade is that there's going to be... Uh, some identification of who you are somewhere along the way. And this yep. feels like it's going to be much more efficient than as yep. opposed to having to roll down a collar. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. Or some kind of microchip in your hand or something you you're reading you or go. what have you. See, now I was going to follow up that question to ask you, where would you put it depending on what type of tattoo it was. And um, so now we've already covered that one, but I'll, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll put you on the spot with not one, but two things about you that most people don't know. Ooh, okay. Uh, well, the first I would share is that uh, I, I have been an expat before. Uh, I actually live outside of the United States. Um, my, my dad is a now a retired minister and had taken a church uh, in Canada. So while uh, Canada is, you know, still part of North America, it is a different country. And so I can, I can have that claim to fame uh, that that has happened. Um, let's see. 
one other thing that people would not know about me. Uh, I have a master's degree from a all women's school. Oh, so that uh, that is that is maybe the second thing <laughs> that people would not know. Should I should I ask how you pulled that one off? Or <laughs> yeah, so we wanna, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I would. Uh, it's it's actually much more benign than than asking your question that way. But uh, you know, when I when I had worked uh, at Walmart years and years ago, I was living in upstate New York and uh, wanted to go back to school to get my my master's degree. Uh, there's a college there uh, which is one of the oldest and now still one of the only uh, remaining all women's undergraduate schools called Russell Sage College. Uh, they had expanded into, um, you know, they acquired another college called the, the uh, Sage College of Albany, and then they also instituted uh, a graduate program. Those programs are all co-ed. And so, um, you know, I can, I can say that the origin of the school <laughs> was an all-women's uh, all college. However, it has now been uh, converted into a co-ed program but it's more, right, it's more fun right. to tell the story this way Kevin exactly oh no it sounds it, it sounds far more impressive and leaves a lot more you know a lot more uh to, to wonder about if you say it the first way so um cool well Paul thank you so much for uh for being on today I really appreciate it um we uh we're, we're glad uh that we were able to help support your your charity we appreciate your your insight and your two cents on, uh, on a couple of things here today. Um, I want to thank you. I want to thank Prime Communications and Prime Secured for their support. Um, and uh, I'll let you know, we're going we're gonna to take a couple of these topics. We're going to put them on our, our poll on the website. Um, we're also putting together a couple of articles around both of these topics. Um, I'm going to tie in the, that, that session that we did with Shavara for anybody who did not get to, um, you know, to, to participate in that, that, um, that they'll be able to reach that as part of the article content too, and maybe some other resources as well that might be helpful uh, both on the, the, the mask wearing piece as well as on the um, riots versus rebellion. So um, yeah, well done. Keep an eye out for that. I appreciate it. And um, thanks again, Paul. And thanks again, everybody for, uh, for tuning in and listening. And this has been two cents on two things, uh, limited series podcast from LPM podcast. Uh, everybody take care, stay safe, stay safe and stay healthy. You're listening to the LPM Podcast.